Hello, and welcome to Grade 7's Talk to Experts, a podcast where Grade 7 students talk to experts and find out more about their specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Brett, and I'm a student at College Park School in Lloydminster, Alberta. Before we get to our expert for this episode, I just want to share a little bit about who we are and what we will be doing in our podcast. We are a class of 25 Grade 7 students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we are focused on experiential learning using a STEAM approach. That's STEAM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. We want to answer that age-old question of why do I have to learn this by directly connecting what we study outside the classroom with the world outside the school. For our podcast, students will be contacting an expert that they know in their lives. This person could be an expert in their profession or job, or in what could traditionally be considered a hobby or an interest. So without further delay, I'm pleased to introduce our expert for this episode, who is an expert on orthopedic surgery, Dr. Joan Weed-Hozak. Welcome. Hello, nice to be here. Okay, let's start by getting to know you. Please tell us about yourself. Okay, well, my name is Joan. I'm actually Brett's aunt, and I work at the hospital in Lloydminster as an orthopedic surgeon. So that means that I'm in charge of looking after broken bones and torn tendons and injured muscles and even worn out parts that need replacing. Hmm, that's awesome. How many people were in your family growing up? I have two younger sisters, um, my mom and dad, lots of cows, horses, and dogs. (laughs) What is your family like now? Now, uh, my husband Justin and I have two little kids, Angus and Pearl, a couple of nieces and nephews, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas. What would a day at work look like for you? Depends on the day, but let's say a typical Monday, I'm usually at my office, and that's the day that I see lots and lots of patients who are coming in to get their cast changed or their stitches taken out after surgery and we do a checkup to make sure that they're recovering well. On a Tuesday, I'm often meeting patients I haven't seen before that are coming to talk to me about a new problem so that we can sort out what it is and make a plan for how we're going to fix it. And on Wednesdays, I'm often in the operating room. So that means I have an early start. I go to the hospital and change into my scrubs and then we do some surgery, whether that's hip replacements or building a new ACL ligament in the knee, or taking out some old hardware in an um, ankle that's all healed up and doesn't need the hardware anymore. Big variety of things. It's hard to know what, what each OR day might hold, so I always have to check my schedule to n- make sure I know what I'm doing the next day. Hmm. Speaking of hardware, what would be like probably the most commonly used hardware? Probably the three most commonly broken bones are your wrist, your ankle, or your hip. And that happens on days like today when it is icy outside, slips and falls result in some broken things. Mm -hmm. The most commonly used hardware for something that's planned, not an unexpected break, would be knee replacements. We do lots and lots of knee replacements for worn out parts. Hmm, that is really cool, thank Mm -hmm. you. And what do you do for fun? Well, when I'm not at work, um, I like to be at home on the farm, riding my horse, taking the dog to chase some sheep around, and getting practiced up at getting better at that, um, or doing some cooking so that I can um, share some food with my family. Would you say that like riding your horse and doing dog stuff is your hobby? Yeah, I would say so. Hmm. Uh, Did you live in Lloydminster as a kid? No, I lived near Lloydminster. Uh, We were about half an hour from Lloydminster uh, near a small town called Marwain, but I didn't actually even live in Marwain. I grew up on a farm just outside of that. Hmm. Tell us about someone you looked up to when you were younger. Hmm. Good questions. 
lots of people I looked up to in different parts of my life. I had a couple of um, absolute favorite teachers when I was in school, my science teacher being one of them. Um, I had some wonderful coaches. I played basketball and so had some good coaches that were role models for me. And then of course I met some doctors as I got into medicine and so have some uh, role models in medicine, one of whom I think is a lot like me. She's a lady who does orthopedic surgery and in the, her spare time she lives on a farm um, and has some cows. And I thought, well, that's just what I want to do. So that was a good example for me. What was school like for you when you were younger? Like uh, high school, elementary school, junior high, that kind of school? Yeah. Yeah. Not, you didn't mean university. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about that. Because <laughs> I did a lot of school, let me tell you. So from kindergarten to grade 12, I was at the same school the whole way through. Because in Marwain, we only have one school because we don't have that many kids. Um, and school was awesome. I enjoyed lots of different classes. I played some sports and I was in some clubs. Then when I went to university, of course, the, that's a big change because that's a big school with lots of different students, met lots of new people and got to do some really cool things. When you go to university, you kind of get to pick the classes you like. So I wasn't a huge fan of math and I had to do a little bit of math at university, but I got to do lots of biology which meant I got to do some cool experiments with shrimp and I got to dissect a bird and what else did I do? All kinds of fun uh, experiments in the chemistry lab where we took the caffeine out of a bag of tea. All kind of fun, fun stuff that you get to learn about the world and um, the stuff you really like. So that's what's cool about college or university is by then you don't have to take a lot of the stuff that's not so fun and you can just pick the stuff you really love. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, what would make an expert? Hmm. I think probably a good way to define an expert is someone who has the knowledge and skills in the area that makes them feel comfortable that they can tackle any question or problem on that topic. Do you consider yourself an expert? Yeah, I think I am. I would say that you are too. <laughs> Have there been times that you felt discouraged? Of course. Everybody has days where stuff does not go according to plan. Whether my saw breaks down and the battery's not working, I've had that happen before. Whether the screw I put in is too long or too short and you have to take it out and do it again. Um, or whether everything goes well but the patient just has a lot of pain and has a lot of trouble getting rehabbed and it doesn't go the way that it usually does. So absolutely there are days when thing does, things don't go right. Hmm. How long did it take for you to get used to, you know, like bones and tendons and blood? Well, it never really bothered me. I wasn't one of those people that kind of got queasy when they had a cut and saw a little bit of blood. That stuff didn't gross me out. And I grew up on a farm, so we had baby calves and we had kittens, and so I got to see lots of that kind of animal side of medicine, which maybe prepared me a little bit. Um, and, and while some stuff is kind of gross, I won't lie, there are some parts of medicine that can be a little bit disgusting. Most of it's just interesting. Hmm. Uh, once you were certified, what kind of hospital training did you have to do? Good question. So part of my school after university when I got into medicine and surgery was on the job training 
uh, in a hospital. So I did a little bit as a medical student and I spent time working in all different parts of the hospital. So I spent some time in delivery and delivered some babies. And then I spent some time uh, dealing with patients who um, needed transplants. Um, and I dealt with some kids in the pediatric section. So that was kind of cool that we got to spend time in all different areas. And then when I got really focused on what I wanted to do so that I could become an expert, you know, and just did orthopedics, then I had five years of just orthopedic training. So we, I would spend three months doing foot and ankle surgery, and then I'd spend three months doing hand and wrist surgery, and then I'd spend three months doing spine surgery. So I really got to spend some time focused on all the different parts of bones and joints that I would need to know, and all of that was in the hospital. Okay, I'm going to invite Jackson up to ask you a question. So. Okay. Hi, Jackson. Hi. Um, was there anybody that motivated you to become an orthopedic surgeon when you were like maybe like in late high school or like started going to university? Good question. It wasn't that early. So in high school, I didn't know quite what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew I liked science. So when I went to university, I took science. And then in university, I still had to make a decision about what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I wasn't sure. Um, but by the end of university, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. When I got into medicine, then I met an orthopedic surgeon. And I wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to be yet either. But the day that I met him, I walked into the operating room and he was already working. And I was joining him in the operating room. And when I walked in, he was fixing a broken femur. A femur is this thigh bone, this big bone in your, in your thigh. And it was a 16-year-old boy that had a broken femur. I forget how he did it. I think maybe a motorbike. That's a good way to break a femur. And to fix it, what the doctor was doing was he was putting a metal tube down the inside of the bone so that there'd be a broken pit of, bit of bone on either side and a tube all the way down the middle. And that tube would hold those two bones close together so they couldn't wobble around anymore. And when I walked in, he had a hammer and he was hitting the nail, that's the metal tube, with big swings like this, and every time he hit it, the blood would go and squirt out the end of the nail and hit the wall behind, and I thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's when I thought, maybe I wanted to do orthopedic surgery. All right, so it was the blood on the wall basically that made you choose your job. And all the action and all the noise. <laughs> if you simplify it. That's right, and the satisfaction that it was gonna be fixed at the end of the day. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Jackson. Uh, how long have you been doing your job for? I've been working here in Lloydminster since 2016. So that makes us five years now. Um, and before that, then I was one year in New Zealand doing a little bit of working and training. Um, and then I had finished all my schooling when I went to New Zealand. So I've been working for six years now. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna invite Addison L up to ask you a question. Hello, Addison. Um, hi, my question is, have you ever failed to help a patient and you had to pass it on to another doctor? Absolutely. Because even though I might be an expert, I'm not an expert in absolutely everything. And sometimes I might even know what's wrong or what that patient needs, but I haven't done it. So I need to send it to somebody who does. So it's good to have some friends. And I keep them on speed dial. And I can phone a friend in the city and say, hey, Brett fell down and he has smashed his foot. It's broken in 17 places, and I know that it needs to be fixed, but I can't do it. And I send them down the road to a friend who can help me out. So I absolutely do that all the time. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Addison. Uh, what was the first job you thought of yourself doing for a career? 
Well, I probably thought about being a teacher. I think lots of people think about teachers because we all see what a teacher does, right? Nobody sees what an orthopedic surgeon does unless you actually need to meet one, and you'd rather not, probably. <laughs> so I probably thought about teaching first, and I thought about teaching science, because that's the stuff I, I really like. But as I got on and on in my schooling, you start to learn about some other options. What would you say was the most complicated surgery you've ever had to do? Oh, that's a tricky one. Well, the most complicated surgery that I got to help with, and I wasn't the boss, this was when I was still doing some of my training, but I got to help with. There is a really cool surgery called a Van Ness Rotationplasty. Google it later, it's super cool. What they do is if you happen to have a cancer and it's around your knee, let's say you had a cancer at the end of that femur bone at the top of your knee, and you gotta cut it out. In kids, because kids have lots of growing left to do, and they're able to adapt, we can do something super cool. So imagine this, if you cut the femur bone here, and you cut the shin bone, which is called the tibia here, and you took the knee out, because it's got the bad stuff, it's got the cancer, throw that in the garbage. Then, you're left to use your imagination, ready? You take what's left of the leg at the bottom, and you turn it around, so that the toes are pointing backwards, and the heel is pointing forwards. Stay with me, it gets better. Then you attach it to the thigh bone. So your thigh bone goes to here, and now your shin bone starts, and it goes to here, and now this is your heel, because we turned your heel forwards and your toes pointing backwards. So why would you do that? Because then you can put your foot into a prosthetic leg, a false leg. And when you wiggle your ankle, it's like wiggling your knee. So you can move that prosthetic foot under your own control as if you had a knee joint again. Awesome, right? I have two questions about that surgery. Who thought it up? And who was the first patient that said, sure, let's try that? <laughs> pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it is pretty cool. You'll have to Google it and see some pictures to really understand it, but it is super neat. Would you fix a dislocated joint? Absolutely. Yep. Pop your shoulder back in. Sometimes that can be tricky. You gotta stick your foot in the armpit and then pull on the arm so that you can oh. pop that shoulder back in place. Yeah. <laughs> trying to gross them out. That <laughs> makes that sound sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had to re-break somebody's bones to fix them? Yeah, we've had to do that. If you fall and you break your wrist and we put it in a cast and it heals, but it heals crooked. Then sometimes we have to go back into the operating room and break it again and straighten it and then fix it so that it stays in that nice straight position. Mm. Uh, I'm going to invite Jesse up to ask you a question. Okay. Hi, Jesse. Hello. What it, uh, um, my question is, what is the highest amount of broken bones you have had to deal with? Oh, so thankfully in Lloydminster, I haven't had too many patients with multiple broken bones. But when I worked in Calgary uh, during my training, then of course we had lots of bad accidents that um, got sent to us. And so one day there were three teams of us uh, operating. So teams of two, myself and another surgeon, another trainee and a surgeon operating on a hand, a shoulder and a leg at the same time on the same patient. Oh. Yeah. He was really broken. Oh. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Jesse. Now it's open mic time, so I'm going to invite anybody who wants to ask a question to come up and ask a question. All right. Oh. 
Hello, it's Brenton, and I want to... Just pause just for a second while we all get settled in and get the noise down again. Sure. Um, I would like to know um, what colleges you went to and sure. how long did you go there? Okay, so I started out at college in Camrose, which is a branch of the University of Alberta now, but it used to be its own college called Augustana, and I was there for three years. Then I went to the University of Lethbridge for two years, so that's five. Then I went to Calgary and did medical school for three years, so that's eight. And then I was still in Calgary and did my orthopedic surgery training for another five, so that's 13. So after high school, I did another 13 years of training. So I really liked school. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Um, how would cancer usually start? Cancer? Yeah. Cancer in your knee usually starts without any good reason. Not an injury, it's not something you caught somewhere, it's not even something that you were exposed to a bad chemical. We don't know often why kids get cancer, or even adults who get bone cancer, it just happens without really a good explanation most of the time. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Addison, and how would you break a bone again? So it depends if it's really, really healed or if it's still kind of fresh. If it's still kind of fresh, sometimes you can just do it with your hands like you were going to break a stick and just make it go. Sometimes it's too healed. You can't do it with your hands. So then I get out my saw. What? Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Callie. Hi, Callie. Have you ever been called in late at night for an accident? Yeah, you betcha. Um, in Lloydminster, the last time I had to come in late at night, um, it was a guy who was jumping on a trampoline, and he fell off the trampoline, and his leg was pointing this way, but his foot was pointing that way. So we had to put it back over here. And that was about at midnight. Note to self, don't be jumping on the trampoline at midnight. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Julia. Hello, Julia. One second, Julia. Right. Audience, are we ready? Thank you. Go ahead. Besides orthopedic surgery, what other surgical fields have you considered? Oh, good question. So part of my training, I got to do a little bit of other types of surgery because sometimes we overlap and have to work together. So it was useful to learn about the other stuff. So I learned a little bit about general surgery, where they operate on your gallbladder and your intestines. I did a little bit of work in vascular surgery. That was super cool. I got to operate on the aorta, which is, do you know what the aorta is? That big vessel down the middle of your body that takes all the blood from your heart everywhere else. That was pretty cool. Um, I did some surgery, some plastic surgery, and most of the plastic surgery I did had to deal with finger injuries. The plastic surgeons do lots of stuff with the little fancy tendons and ligaments in your fingers, as well as doing some um, stuff on skin. So I got to do some stuff where patients had lost a little bit of skin from a burn or they lost a bit of skin as part of their orthopedic injury. It opened up and left a wound and then we got to put new skin down. So I got to learn lots of different kinds of surgery. And I thought about plastics. I thought maybe I'd like to be a plastic surgeon and patch people back together. But they just use little hammers. And so I decided I'd like to use the big one. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carter. Hello, Carter. Um, how has technology changed or affected your career? Oh, that's a good question. So, I use lots of technology in my job, from power tools to different parts that we put in patients, um, to even stuff where we're starting to try to do um, different things to get uh, your body parts to regrow again, like stem cells you've heard a little bit about. 
So it's always changing what we're using, which means I always have to be learning new stuff. So I often go to a conference every June and kind of get a chance to get a little update on what's new and great in the world of orthopedics. Um, and sometimes then that means we have to learn a whole new way of doing things when we figure out uh, a better technology. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Hi, my name is Liam. Hi, Liam. Uh, how physically fit do you need uh, to be uh, an orthopedic uh, surgeon? Good question. So there is a little bit of heavy lifting and pushing and pulling when I'm trying to put a dislocated shoulder back in or when I have to hammer in a nail. So it takes a little bit of strength and power. But part of it is just knowing how to work smarter, not harder. So I know a few orthopedic surgeons who are not very tall and not very big, and they can still get the job done. They just have to use different tools or ask for a little bit of help for holding things. Um, but it does take a little bit of strength. Yeah, is it a physically mandating job? Or not mandating. Is it a physically demanding, demanding job? job? Yes, I would say it is. Not as physically demanding as being a carpenter but sort of like a carpenter of the body. Yeah. Hello, my Hello. name is Gwen. Hi, Gwen. How has the role of women in medicine evolved and where would you like to see it go? Good question. So orthopedic surgery, surgery in general and on a large scale medicine as a whole, um, is starting to see more and more women be a part of it. And in my medicine class, we were actually pretty much 50-50, men and women. So there are lots of female doctors nowadays, just like there are lots of male doctors. There are still fewer female surgeons than there are male surgeons, but they're starting to be more and more. And I think that, that it's starting to be really um, possible for females to do whatever they want to do in medicine. I certainly didn't run into any barriers where somebody told me I couldn't do it because I was a girl. And in fact, I worked with a, a surgeon who was a mentor of mine who often would tease me and say that the best way to motivate me to get something done was to give me grief and say, oh, do you need help? And I would say, I don't need any help. I'm a big girl. I can do it myself. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, how much school did you have to do in order to um, become? Yeah, good question. So add it up with me. Let's say we did 12 years from grade 1 to grade 12. Okay. And then I did five years of university. So what are we at, 17? 17. Okay, and then I did another three years of medical school. So what are we at, 20? 20. And then I did another five years of residency. 25. So we're at 25. 25 years of school. How do you stay motivated through all of that? Because <laughs> like, like, there's a lot easier jobs that maybe you only need like a high school education for. For sure there is. I think because as you go on in your schooling, you get to do more and more of the stuff you like. Right? In, in school here, you have to take a little bit of everything. When you hit university, my first two years of university, I still had to do an English course and a math course. But my last two years of university, I just got to do the fun science stuff that I wanted. And I picked up a fun music class just because I wanted to. <laughs> then when you got into medicine, now I'm not even doing the physics or the chemistry stuff. I'm just doing the biology stuff that I really like. So that's part of why you can keep going to school forever is because you just get narrowing it down to the stuff that you're really interested in. And then you like going to school every day because what you're learning is cool. Uh, this is a kind of unrelated question that I just had. Has there ever been like something where you go in and then you have to like maybe like fix like it's like a broken bone or something, and somebody might be like really sad about it or something like that. And if you fix it, does that make you like feel good? Mm -hmm. to, you know. To 
it's very satisfying to take a broken arm and put some hardware in and piece it back together and go home with a fixed arm. That's absolutely job satisfaction. Alright, thank you. You're Hi, it's Addison again. Hi, Addison. I have a question. Have you ever been disgusted while doing like a uh, surgery and had to stop doing it? Never had to stop. I've had to sometimes take a moment, compose myself. I had a patient who we had done a knee replacement on. And when you do a knee replacement, you make a cut right down the front of the knee to get in to do the surgery. And then when we're finished, we stitch it up and staple it together on the top. And about 10 days after his surgery, it got infected. So I don't know if you've ever had a little infection where some pus comes out. Have you ever had a little, yeah, kind of like a pimple? Okay, so imagine that, but it's the whole knee. So the whole knee was full of pus and it was hot and it was red and it was swollen and it hurt like crazy. And we went back to the operating room to manage the infection. So the best way to manage the infection is to wash it out. Let's get rid of it all. So when we went to the operating room and we put the patient off to sleep, then I bent his knee for him to set it up on the table and it popped open a couple of the staples and the pus squirted out across the room onto the floor. <laughs> And it smelled really bad. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hey, it's Brenton again, and I have two questions for you this time. Yeah? How often do your patients get sedation? Well, everybody that I take to the operating room has to have some kind of anesthetic. Otherwise, the screaming would be too loud, I couldn't concentrate. So, uh, we either put those patients to sleep, or sometimes we do it with the patient awake, but we've frozen the part that we're working on. So I might freeze your finger, and I can operate away and you don't feel a thing, but we can carry on a conversation. So everybody gets some kind of anesthetic, whether you're wide awake or fast asleep, varies. Um, and my second question is, uh, earlier you were talking about the doctor and he's operating on the 16 year old boy. Yeah. Um, if you put that in wrong, would you have to take it back out? Yeah. And so we do that surgery using x-rays in the operating room so that I can take some x-rays right then and there and say, oh, that's not quite in far enough, hit it three more times. That's in too far, back it out. So we can make some checks right then and there to make sure when we put that hardware in that it's where we want it to be. And how would you go about taking that out? Ah, oh, that's a good question. So when we hammer it in, let me show you. So this is a femur. So, it goes from this end, this is your hip, down the inside of the tube to your knee. And when we hammer it in, it has a little top on the end that has a flat piece to hit with the hammer. We then have a hammer that actually has a slot, so it's kind of like that. And we can slide it on and hit backwards, which taps it out. We've got all kinds of cool tools. Thank you. You're welcome. It's not a real bone, by the way. It, it's a fake one. Hi, my name is Dallin. Hello, Dallin. And my question for you is, what is the benefit and drawbacks of your job? Good question. So I think some of the things I like best about my job is helping people get better. I love it when a patient comes back in and they don't have their walker and they don't have a cane and they tell me that their knee feels so much better since the replacement that they went back to doing their square dancing. That's pretty awesome. The drawbacks of my job is I work a lot. There is a lot of people that need help and there's a lot of paperwork that goes with all of that. So finding some balance and not being always at work is the hardest part. Thank you. You're welcome.
Hello, I'm McKinley. And Hello. what was the long how what was the longest um patient that you had to do on how the long longest surgery? Yeah. That's a good question. So the longest surgeries I've worked on have been spine surgeries. And I don't do any of those in Lloydminster anymore, but I did some during my training in Calgary. And we did 13 hours of surgery oh. on a patient one time. And so to do that, you have to have some teams so that somebody can go and take a break and have something to eat and pee and then come back. And so we would swap out and take turns, but it took 13 hours to operate on a patient who had some cancer in their back that we had to cut out. And then we had to piece things back together so that everything was stable again. And that took a lot, well, all day. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Gavin. Do you have any advice for a student who might want to become a doctor? Good question. The easiest advice is to keep doing your schooling and the stuff that you like. So my path, I did biology and that's what got me into medicine. But I had classmates in medicine who were teachers, who were nurses. There was a couple of accountants. There was one opera singer. I had a friend who was an artist. And so they all did something they loved and then decided that they wanted to do medicine. So there's multiple ways to get there. And the best way to get there is to do something you like because then you'll be good at it. Okay, thank you. Hi, it's Jackson again. Um, how has COVID affected your job? Good question. So COVID has affected all of us every day, right? No getting away from it in my world either. The biggest way it has affected us in surgery is that we haven't been able to do as much surgery as usual, largely because we've had to lend some of our team members to look after patients in other areas. So you maybe have heard that there have been lots and lots of COVID patients in the hospital and in the ICU. Well, somebody needs to look after those patients. And so sometimes my nurses I work with in the operating room can't come and work in the operating room that day. They have to go help to work in the ICU and look after those patients. And that's okay because we have to sort of share and figure out a way to make it work. But it means then my hip replacement patients who aren't an emergency have to wait. And so that's the biggest way that it has affected me is that we've done less surgery in the last couple of years and the wait list has grown. So we have a lot of work to do to catch up. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Is there anything else you'd like to say or add? Well, I have to tell you one more story because it's just my all-time favorite experience during my training. I was working in Calgary and I was on call for the trauma service. So that's kind of a mix of surgeries of people that come in really broken or having had bad accidents. And I got called down to the emergency room to see a guy who fell down the stairs while he was doing some home renovations. And he was using a nail gun to be doing some renovation at home. And when I got to the emergency room, he was quite comfortable lying on the stretcher. He was chatting with the nurse and he had a little square of plaid from his shirt nailed to his chest. And we took him to get some um, pictures taken to see where exactly that nail was. So we did a CT scan, which can show me um, images as if I was looking from the front or as if I was slicing him from the side, like a loaf of bread, so you can look in different ways. And when we did the CT scan, the nail went through his breastbone, his sternum, it went into the front of his heart, out the back of his heart, and the tip of it was in his diaphragm. He was still alive? And he was still alive and talking to me in the emergency room. 
So then we all got really excited when we noticed the nail was in the heart, and we called the cardiac surgeon, and we all went quickly up to the operating room, and I didn't get to do much on this one, but I did get to watch. And the cardiac surgeon made a cut in the skin on his chest, and he got out his saw, and he cut the breastbone, and then you put in like some pliers, and you spread the breastbone and the ribs out, and then the nail fell out. And then the heart had a couple of holes in the front of the back that were bleeding. So the surgeon picked up the heart in his hand, and it was beating in his hand, and he lifted it up, and he stitched the hole in the back of the heart as it was beating in his hand. And he put it back in. You take the pliers out. You close it up. You put some wires around the sternum so that it heals together. And the guy went home three days later. Cool, hey? Is there anything else you'd like to add or say? That was the last one I had to tell you because that was the coolest thing. All right. So well, I, I have a follow-up or okay. a question here. Um, I'm wondering, do you have a, a dream surgery, a surgery that you either love to do or that you really, really want to do one day? The, my favorite surgery that I do right now is a partial knee replacement. Um, so I like doing that surgery because it's quite, um, quite uh, what's the word, organized and quite predictable, and I like the flow of it, and my patients all seem to really do well. They go from having a super sore knee that they can't sleep at night and they can't go dancing, and then two weeks later they come in and they just feel like a million bucks. So that one I find super satisfying. And uh, just one more question. A couple of us, myself included, really enjoy some Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering about uh, your reflection in terms of the realism of that show. So when I was going to medical school, Grey's Anatomy had kind of just started. And a group of girlfriends and I used to get, get, get together every week and watch it. And then we'd laugh about how it was so wrong or sometimes so accurate. So there are parts of it that are pretty real. There are parts of it that are very much not real. <laughs> it's not all fake. Speaking of like medical dramas like that, have you ever like, has one ever been ruined because of your job? Like inaccuracy? Yeah, yeah, that happens. See if I can think of an example. There's one Grey's Anatomy episode where they take a deer into the emergency department that got hit by a car and they look after the deer. That, that's pretty wild. That doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> I mean, literally. Literally. So I have another question. Sure. How often do you have to straighten out a bone? At least every week. Somebody breaks something at least every week. Usually multiple times. Thank you. Oh, are you? Oh, you got a little something crooked there, do you? Yeah. Does it hurt? Not anymore. Good. And does it move so that you can do all the things you need to do? Yeah. Yeah. Then the good thing about having a crooked bone as a kid is that because you still have growing to do, you're going to do a lot of the straightening out without me having to do anything. That's what the doctor said. Yeah. Kids are cool. I just have to get it close. You do the rest. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you so much for coming, Dr. Hozak. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank we you. learned a lot about you and your profession. Thank you to my classmates for the questions, and thank you, listeners. Have a great day, and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun.
We'd love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.